welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about finances, and I've brought in Josh and Cindy Hammer, and they're going to talk to us a little bit about finances. I've got, uh, I was just telling them before we started that I'm not much of a, a finance person, so, um, and it sounds like, Josh, you may be the bulk of this, uh, according to what Cindy just told me, too, but we're going to ask some questions about finance, both in the context of, of a marriage, maybe also go into some stuff that's, uh, for those of you that are Maybe you're in college, maybe you're in high school, what to do in the future, that kind of thing. So, um, but what I like to, first of all, Josh and Cindy, welcome. You can say hello. Hello. Hi, thanks. Yeah. So, um, what I want to do, start with is I want people to get to know you a little bit. You haven't been on the podcast before, so this is your first time here. Uh, we've got a few people that I've brought on. They're re recurring people, so I don't feel like I need to do this again and again. But with new people, I like to have everybody get to know you a little bit. Um, let's just start start by telling us a little about yourself. So, your your family life, your work life. Uh, what you guys do, where you're from, that kind of stuff. And you can do that together, separately, however you want to do that. Sure. Yeah, we're both from the area. I, I was born and grew up here in Santa Rosa. Um, <clears throat> we have two kids. One's 20 and one is 17. And um, we've been married You now. guys do not look old enough to have a 20-year-old. I know. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been married for 23 years now. And, uh, yeah, I grew up here in Santa Rosa. And I went to dental school, so I had a dental practice for many years, and I sold it about three years ago and transitioned into doing real right, estate. So right before COVID. Yes, right before probably COVID. probably good timing. It was good timing, absolutely. And then, uh, and then I got into real estate investing, which I still do and is my main source of income at this time. Um I'm still doing dentistry uh, a little bit more right now because uh, the dentist that I sold to asked if I could help him out a little oh, bit cool. more because he lost the so same practice, same so. practice. Yeah. And also another one in Healdsburg one day a week as well. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me and uh, Cindy, I don't know if you want to mention. Yeah. Um, I am a nurse. I uh, practiced 23 years in Santa Rosa and uh, Right before the pandemic, I also let that go, and I'm currently teaching science at a hybrid homeschool Christian school. Oh, cool. Yeah. Are you Which one? It's called Grace Christian Academy. Okay, cool. Yeah, we've talked to them a lot over the, the course of starting this. I think there's a couple yeah. different schools that they've really... I wasn't too involved in the getting the school off the ground thing, but I know that they were talking to quite a few different schools on... Because this basically what we have here is that same thing, hybrid. Yeah. You know, three days a week, the kids are on campus, and the other two, it's homeschool. So. Yeah, that works really well for my son, so that's why I got involved. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what keeps me busy, and... Your old... Did your oldest, is your... They going into any kind of medical field like you guys did? Uh, our daughter is going to Grand Canyon University Sweet. in Phoenix, and uh, she's studying nutritional sciences and thinking about becoming a naturopathic doctor, but still trying oh. to get that figured out. Right on. Yeah. That's cool. Grand Canyon, I always I like to brag that I was recruited by Grand Canyon, but I was recruited by Grand Canyon when they were first starting out. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. wasn't impressive. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, they wanted me to come play there. Yeah. And then look at what they were. It was like, yeah, the, the teams that they have now are like, levels and levels and levels above of what they yeah, were. Yeah, now they're D1 and Yeah, I think great. they were yeah. at that point they were they might not they may not even have been NCAA yet. They may have still been NAIA. I forget now what the trajectory of that was, but they were like tiny sure. at that point. So, uh how did you two meet? Yeah, so we met uh at a friend's house here in Santa Rosa back in the late 90s, 97. Um 
High school, college, what? Uh, so, uh, college, Cindy had just finished and I was about to finish undergrad. And, uh, so we were coming back, I was coming back from a guy's trip uh, to one of our friend's house and she was best friends with one of my buddy's older sisters. Mm. So when we showed up there, then, uh, we got to see each other for the first time and then we started hanging out throughout the summer, doing things, going to the beach, going to Fourth of July party, and other things. And that's kind of where we started to develop our friendship there. Cool. And how long until you guys got married? So that was uh, about July of '97, and then we were married about a year and nine months later. Right on. Yeah. Cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, let me uh, let's start talking about. Oh, wait. How long have you been at Spring Hills? We've been at Spring Hill since it was like Easter of 2012, so a little over 10 years. Okay, so right after they got on the campus, I think that would have been, right? Yes. 20, oh, 2010, I think they came onto the campus here. Yeah, so it was know. pretty new at that time. Yeah. Cool. So you've seen a few worship leaders then. You were here with Glenn, yes. and then you had John, and now you get me. Yes. Cool. That's right. Um, all right, so let's talk about finances. Uh, I think maybe I'm going to flip-flop this a little bit. I was going to start with the marriage stuff, but let's start with before that. Let's go with, and if there's, if you hear all the banging around, it's because the drama class is on the stage right now. Um, that's definitely going to make its way into here, but that's okay. I don't think people care. Uh, it's kids, right? They're having fun. Uh, so we're going to start. I want to talk about credit cards because this is something that when I was in high school, I remember um, I, I got a credit card, but it was for the sole purpose. It only, it was like, it was like a $150 limit, like nothing big on it. And the sole purpose was because I, I bought an amp and my parents were like, we're going to let you make this decision. I think I was 16. They were both like, we don't think you should do this. And, but we want you to make your own decision kind of thing. And I was like, okay, well, if I do this and I'm trying to weigh all the options and then it's like the interest and like, if I don't pay it all off right away, whatever. And it, I think it just started me off on a, my choice there started me off on a, on a good track because I saw wow, I ended up paying $140 for this amp that should have only been 90 had I just saved up the money for it, right? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about credit cards. Like, are, are credit cards okay? Is it fine to have credit cards? Should people not have credit cards? Is that the goal? Is it good to have it for emergencies? What do you guys think of credit cards? Yeah, I think credit cards are a double-edged sword. So I think credit cards are good. I use credit cards. Uh, I get points with credit cards. I feel like, you know, I get 2% back on everything mm -hmm. that I buy. But you really have to be careful whenever you buy something. Whenever I buy things, I never look at how much I can buy with my credit card. Because right. I have a limit that's pretty decent size on my credit card. But when I buy things, I think, how much money do I have in the bank? Mm. And so I'm basing my decisions off how much money I have. Do I need it? Is this the best deal I can get? Um, so, and one thing that I always try to do is whenever I make purchases and I get my credit card, I try to always pay it off at the end of each month so that I don't have a whole bunch of interest. And then the things you buy become much more expensive because you're paying all the interest on it. So right. I think for a person that is able to track it, track it, see how much they have in the bank, be careful, uh, it can be a good thing. But if you are buying, it can get you into a lot of debt quickly. It can be dangerous. So yeah, you want to go on a vacation or something yeah. like that. You don't get the money for it. You go, oh, put it on the card. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think that's probably one of the things that got us in trouble. Just, I don't want to necessarily, we've never been like, 
big item spenders. Like we won't be, we would, we were never like, Hey, let's go on a vacation. Mm -hmm. Just put on a credit card. We weren't that careless, but the problem was we didn't track the little things. Mm -hmm. So going to the grocery store and it's 20 bucks here, 15 bucks here, and it all just stacks up. Right. And if you don't, if you're not, I mean, sliding, sliding a little piece of plastic or sticking it in the the chip reader or whatever, you don't feel the, you don't feel like you're spending money or handing anything over. You just, you're, you're just getting things. There's it's a different feel than that cash. If you paid cash on everything and it was always coming it out It hurts of when you pay cash yeah. a little bit because yeah. you see like, oh, that $20 bill just turned into to four ones. And yes. now it's like, oh, now I don't, ha- I don't hardly have anything left, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So do you, in thinking in the, in the terms of the credit cards then, is it, um, would you recommend it for, cause I know that there's a lot of, uh, uh there, there's a uh, value in building up your credit. Mm-hmm. And if you never have credit cards, I think if I remember right, one of my brother's friends was talking about how he never had a credit card or anything. So when he got married and wanted to buy a house, he didn't have a credit score to look at. So is it, where's the value in that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's definite value in that in building your credit. Once again, it takes um, self-discipline, self-control. Um, but you're right. If you don't have a credit card, how are you going to build credit? How would you get a loan for a home? Um, there's few things that I think you really need credit for that are most important. And those are, uh, a home, maybe a business, you know, on rare occasions, a car, ideally you want to buy a car that's within your, your range, you know, of how, how, what your income is. And ideally, if you could save up the money beforehand and buy the car, that's most ideal. Um, you know, trying to, buy purchases that appreciate on credit as mm. opposed to those things that depreciate. I would try to lean more towards having the cash for those things. Yeah. Okay. Any thoughts, Cindy? On yeah. I was cards? thinking, um, well, with the credit card thing, if I'm going to make a bigger purchase, I do run it by Josh um, just because I want to know what we have going on sure. and not just assume because he does take care of the finances and I like to let him know, you know, what I'm, my thoughts are. My wife are. would be so jealous of this right now. She would love it if I would take care of it. I just hate it so much. I'm I'm not good at it either. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, cool. I want to talk about also, I don't want to just focus so much on money, but also um, look at a biblical standpoint to finances as well. Um, We we hear the words a lot, being a good steward. And every every Sunday, Saturday, whatever service you attend, when Brett talks about the uh, tithes and offerings, he always, he does a really good job at explaining what it is. And it's not, you know, the... the church is going to be fine. Like it's God doesn't need your money. Like it's not one of those things where God's dependent on us. Uh, but at the same time, and I, this is one of the, the, the habits my parents taught me when I was very young, which was when I was six years old, we'd get, you know, $3 at the end of the week, you tithe. And it was very young that we started doing that. And it was just worked its way through my whole life where it was just a habit that you just do. And, uh, I feel like there's being a good steward of the money that God's blessed you with. Let's talk about that. I don't know if that that's a too broad of a question, but what does it mean to be a good steward? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I think what your parents were doing for you, Garrett, is probably one of the most valuable things that parents can do with their children is teaching them to tithe. And I think by doing that, you're showing God honor. You're also acknowledging that all the money we have that's in our bank account, the house we have, the cars we have, they all really are God's. Mm. So being a good steward, I think, is managing what's already God's in a way that's pleasing to him. Right. And I think we can do that by 
you know, giving the first fruits of our paycheck back to God. And like you said, God doesn't need it. He can invent gold bars, you know, out of thin air. He he has unlimited resources, but I think he wants to test us and see how faithful we will be with the things that he's given Mm -hmm. us. And that includes trying to use our money in a way that's pleasing to God, you know, be it tithing, giving, uh, not being wasteful with mm-hmm. the money that we have and not trying to always pleasure ourselves with the money, you know, but thinking how would God want me to use these resources that, that he's given me? Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that I think I, I found value in was, and I was just looking up the passage to make sure I had the right one, but it says in Second Corinthians um, chapter 9, in uh, verse 7, it says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God's love is it, loves a cheerful giver. I think that was being so young. It's hard at first. You're kind of like, wait, what? But wh- why? Why am I doing that? Like, that's I don't want to do that. And then when you get older and it's just a habit, it's kind of like you've seen God over and over. And even when I was, I'm talking like 16, 17, 18 years old, you see God provide in ways that, I mean, even not not necessarily just for myself, but my my parents seen them be faithful to it. My dad and I planted a church together uh, when I was uh, 25, I think. And one of the first things that, as the church was starting, that we decided was important was whatever money came in first, we were going to give it to, tithe it to missions is what we were we were doing with it. And what really kind of stung at first was the first person to give, to give us a check was a big check. And it was like, oh man, this would be really helpful. But we made the commitment, no, this is we're going to turn around and give this to whoever to the, I forget which missions it was, but it was like, this is, that was our commitment. And so we did that. And then of course you just see God bring it in, you know, mm-hmm. tenfold of just mm-hmm. like people supporting the church and stuff. And you see that over and over through life when you give cheerfully and like, no, we're happy to do this because it's also helping another ministry and things like that too. So um, I think that was huge in my growing up and learning that early on. Now what's the difference between tithes and offerings? Let's talk about that. Sure. This is just, this is my understanding of the difference. So my understanding is that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God asked us to bring a portion of our income. In the Old Testament, it was specifically noted to be 10%. Mm-hmm. And I still think that's a great number. I, I think if you were to talk to God about it, I think that he would be like, you know, I think he would still like to see us give those types of numbers. So I think a tithe is that. And oftentimes I think a tithe is what we give to the church that we go to. Um, And I see offerings also as something that God wants us to do and give. And oftentimes that goes beyond the church. That goes to different ministries that are doing God's work, spreading the gospel, helping uh, missionaries in other countries that are, uh, sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I look at it. Ties are more directed towards the church and offerings are, you know, other things of God's work that are outside the church. Right. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm looking at this thing here just to try to, I, I like to make sure I have the right passages when I'm about to say something, but it's talking about Paul um, mentioning in first Corinthians uh, the, let's see the passage, first Corinthians 16. Now concerning the collection for, for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up 
as he may prosper. So there will be, oops, didn't go to the whole thing. Those kids are so loud out there. It's so <laughs> distracting to me. Uh, so there will be no collecting when I come. Um, the, uh, the idea there, setting it aside. I think that's, it's not easy to do, but at the same time, when you get in the habit of it, 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 it really does become easy to do. It's just like, this is what it is. And I mean, we, we pay taxes every month, every time you get a paycheck, there's taxes taken out of it. And sometimes it's almost like, man, I wish it would just automatically come out. So you don't ever have to see the tithe come out just cause it's like the, the number. But, uh, at the same time, so like Christ dying on the cross fulfilled the law and that basically made the 10% obsolete. Right. Um, but to continue to insist that that's something that we're called to do, support the church, right? Uh, an offering, yeah, freely given also. That's, can't state that enough. Let's talk about this. Uh, I want to go to finances in marriage. Uh, so you've been married 23 years now. Is there any, and you don't need to be too specific with your own experiences, but is there anything, I was, the, question, the question I'm going to ask is, what are some of the most common mistakes couples make when they first get married? Um, do you, anything you can speak to or something that you went through that you learned a lot from, or did you just do it right? Some people I've seen it, they're like, they just do it right. They just figure out right away. And it's like, man, I wish we were, we were like you. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we just did it right. Um, you know, we both came from two different sets of parents and one did it one way. One did, I'm going to let Cindy share in just a second, one story about us trying to get on the same page mm. in the beginning. Um, and so we see different things in the, our family of origin that we grow up in. Doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but marriage is taking two different systems and putting them together and making it work in your new system. Yeah. And that's what we were working on doing. But Cindy, why don't you share, um, you know, one of the things about how we were going to handle our money in the beginning? Yeah. So, um, when Josh and I got married, his parents kept their money separate and my parents kept their money together. So he let me know right away, you know, we're going to be keeping it separate. Well, I had just finished nursing school and he was just going into dental school and only one of us would be, um, you know, getting a paycheck. Right. So I said, that's fine by me because I don't know what you're going to put in your account. <laughs> and that's when... Things adjusted quite quickly. Did you change your mind pretty quick? Yeah. So I thought, <laughs> wow, that's a good point. I'll have absolutely nothing in mind. So, you know, why don't we put them together? <laughs> and that was the best decision ever. Um, I, I really think that's God's plan for a husband and wife, where two become one. They're uniting on all fronts, you know, with whether it's the children, the finances, whatever. And so from probably since that comment, right in the very beginning, we started putting our money together and, um, yeah, we, we wouldn't change anything about that. Yeah. It's always interesting to me that, um, that, that is an option to some people. Cause I get that so foreign to me and even to, to my wife where that was not a thing. Um, it was everything's it's combined. You're married, you unite, everything unites. Right. And yeah. so that was just a natural thing for us. But then we keep hearing some of our friends, when they were getting married, that they'd keep it. We're like, what do you, what do you mean you keep you keep it separate? So what happens? Like you guys go out to dinner, is the husband always paying for the dinner? And like, what do you what do you how do you split up the responsibilities of what you're paying for? Especially once you have kids. Yeah. It's like, so who play, who pays for baseball? Who pays for trumpet lessons or whatever it is? And it just seems like that would just complicate. It's complicated enough. What do you? Why why would you complicate it more? It doesn't make sense to me. What are what do what do people see the value in? 
Yeah. Like I, your parents, for example. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't want to bag on that, but, you know, I think it it comes out of a little bit. Maybe there's a degree of selfishness. I want to do it this way. I want to do it that way. And maybe... That, to, maybe to avoid conflict. Yeah. Like maybe they, they can't uh, reach a, a common ground on certain things, or maybe they don't want to submit certain things, or maybe they feel like the other person is unsafe in how they spend and mm. I'm more safe. So I want my own money here. I, I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons there. Um, Have you ever asked your parents about that? Not specifically, but I've definitely listened in. I think it has to do with maybe they don't completely agree with how the other person spends money. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and uh, what I think would be a good solution is more communication, trying to get on the same page. Like if that was the fact between Cindy and I, I think we would try to spend more time talking it through, trying to work it out so that we could get on the same page so that we, you know, could move past that. Because I do find it a little strange where maybe somebody's paying PG&E or someone pays the mortgage, you know, when it's it's like, wait, but you leave the lights on and I shut the lights off. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think really, let's talk about the lights and say, hey, let's turn off the lights because it'll cost us our whole family less. Yeah. yeah, I think now we we went and I'll ask you this in a second, but we went through the uh, we went through the Dave Ramsey, the financial peace cl- uh, small group here, and one of the things that we that came out of that just budgeting and and where the money's going and like mm-hmm. seeing every month this is what we bring in here's where it's going to go, mm-hmm. and part of that budget is here's the money you get to spend on whatever you want to spend it on. But once it's gone, it's gone and for the month and you don't spend on anything else. Right. But I'm no questions asked, whatever you want to spend your money on. If you want to go buy coffee, go buy coffee. If you want to go buy some shoes, go buy some shoes and I'll keep my, I'll keep my mouth shut. Cause mm-hmm. the things that she spends money on versus the thing I spend, I don't know why she spends her money on things she spends upon. Same thing with me. She's like, I don't get why that's why you'd want to put your money there. Um, but that was one of the things we learned with that was like, still having the freedom, our finances are not separate, but having the freedom does feel nice sometimes yes. to not have to be like, hey, I really need some shoes. Can I go buy some shoes? Mm-hmm. And when it's really just like, yeah, if you want to go get some shoes, get some shoes. At the same time, it's like, dude, if you need some shoes, let's buy you some shoes. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Fine. And I think what you're talking about there is trust. Yeah. You know, you have trust for your wife that she's going to be appropriate in her choices and vice versa. And I think that's a good place to get to, too. You spent some time communicating so that you trust the other person to make decent decisions. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mentioned financial peace. You, Which one did you teach? That wasn't because you did a small group here. Yeah, it was uh, Crown Financial. So What's the difference? So... Not 100% certain. They're coming at it from different angles. Crown Financial uh, was started in 1976 by Larry Burkett. It's um, a Christian organization that really, I think, over the years, they've done a deep dive. How they look at finances and how we're to manage finances is from a biblical perspective. So they're gathering all the different verses. And, you know, I've heard it said that, the one topic in the Bible that's discussed more than anything is actually money and finances. And so that lets us know that that's important to God. Mm. You know, I think money and finance, money can be oftentimes a person's God or idol or, you know, it can be first place in their life. And so I think God tests so much of what we do around money. 
Right. And, yeah. and he says so much about money and he talks about the talents that he's given us in life and what we're going to do with that. Um, you know, and those talents can be actually talents we have or money that we have. How do we manage the things that God has given right. us? Yeah. I was going to, I was going to ask how much in your, in your own view, how much of the finances, cause I talked to somebody one time, uh, a Christian guy. And when I talked about Dave Ramsey, they're just like, Oh, I just disagree with the way that he does things. How much is finances opinion and how much is it fact of like, you can have a difference of like credit cards. We already kind of mentioned, like yeah. some people would just say, no, don't have credit cards. Yep. And we don't have a credit card. We, because, and we do that because we don't trust ourselves with credit sure. cards. Sure. And so we want to see the money when you spend it, it comes out of your bank account yes. and it's not there. And a credit card, you just don't feel that tug, you know? Um, so we've made that decision, but I know for some people, like you said, the credit cards, you, you get points for it. You can, mm -hmm. as long as you're good with tracking and everything. So how much of a, how much fi of finances is opinion? How much of it is fact? Yeah. That, that's a tricky one to answer because one of the th things that I look at that I count as fact, th there's not many things that I count as fact in this world or absolute truth. But certain things that I count as fact or absolute truth or what, what I find in God's word. You know, I have made the decision that God's word, the Bible, is truth. It's something we can count on, we can trust. And so when I look in the Bible to find answers to finance and how to use your money, the things that I find in there I look at as truth. Um, then everybody has their opinion on stuff. And I think some people have a lot of wisdom. I think the closer they are to understanding what God's word is, it says, you know, that, that God's word, when you understand that, you're going to have great wisdom, you know, um, fearing the Lord, knowing his words, that's the beginning of knowledge. So that's kind of what I look at. That's why I like Crown Financial, when you were talking about the two of Dave, Dave Rance, Crown, Crown Financial uses a lot of God's word, mm -hmm. a lot of biblical references to how we sh should use money. And I take that as safe and, and truth and something that I can, you know, live my life by. Yeah. Dave Ramsey kind of, I mean, I don't remember it too well now, but I don't remember a whole lot of like scripture mm -hmm. coming into play. It's more just like, this is a Christian guy sure. who's figured out finances in a way that works for him and probably works for a lot of people. So far it's worked for us over the last couple of years because it's dug us out of pretty big hole. Mm -hmm. um, so did you teach the classes with Josh at all? You're not involved in that. Mm -hmm. Why not? Um, yeah, that's kind of, uh, the interest that Josh has. Okay. And, uh, I have different interests. Okay. Do you yeah. do another small group? I do. Um, uh, but it, I'm not doing a small group this time. Sure. I'm, I'm in one. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Where did, so where did your interest in finances come from? Is it dentist? Yeah. What, I, is it just running a business? You know, that's part of it. I think that's just the way God made me. I okay. think he put in my heart a desire, you know, for finances. That's something that, and I read a lot of books in that. I've probably, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 different books in that area. And mm -hmm. usually they're, they're kind of coming from a cr Christian perspective. Um, so it, it's just one of the things that I have a passion for. What do you, What's the, the view that you have on let's say Christians or, or specifically we could go to people in ministry like pastors and stuff, but well, let's, let's say Christians um, having being rich mm -hmm. and having a lot of money and spending it on, let's say, so for example, there was this, uh, this fad going on for a while. I don't know if you ever saw uh, preachers and sneakers. Mm -hmm. 
it was a, an account where a guy basically just looked at shoes that these pastors were wearing and found them online and would just show this guy's wearing $15,000 shoes. This pastor's wearing $15,000 shoes or this $10,000 sweater and things like that, where it's just like, okay, that's come on. Like that's just over the top. What's your, what's your, why, why is that where the money's going? So, but then there's other people that when they're the Christians, they're, they have the gift of being generous and that's why God allows them to have money because they're not. Nice. So what's, yeah, what's your view on, on Christians being, well, I, I don't want to say necessarily wealthy, but like, let's say well off. I yeah. Don't know. So I would look at how, how did they get their money? Did they get their money in an honest way? Okay. You know, so you want to make sure that a person, if they're a Christian, that they're not getting money by greed. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the money should be coming in honest ways. And if it comes in honest ways, and that's, can be a sign that that can be God's provision. There's amazing Christians out there that are poor, amazing Christians that are right in the middle, and amazing Christians that are rich. Um, God, you know, I, I think there's verses that speak to riches, you know, and there is a correlation to tithing, you know, that God will provide for us all that we need, and sometimes it's way above and beyond, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. It's really in God's mind who he decides to maybe make rich or, or poor. And, and I think he's always developing our character in, in whatever we have, whether it's a little or a lot. Mm-hmm. But I think when a person is blessed with a lot, then that person all is also called, I think, to be responsible w- with what they have. And I think a lot of times when people are rich, they think, oh, I, I'm rich. I can buy myself an amazing home and and, and fancy cars and $1,500 shoes and things like that. But I don't think that's why God gives us that money. So my opinion is that when God blesses us above and beyond what we really need, I think he still calls us to be responsible with our spending. Yeah. And I think when we're spending in excess on ourselves, I don't think that's a, a way that's pleasing to God because there's so many in people. Excess. In excess. I think that's excess. the... That's the yes. That's yes. the term. Because yeah. I, I feel like you see somebody, uh, I mean, for example, we, we went through this two years where we went down to one car and we had some friends. We made that decision. It was literally like, we don't we only live like two miles from here. So I was like, I'll get a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And if you need the car and I need to get to the church, I'll ride a bicycle. Like, that's fine. We'll just save the money. Because we, uh, for, I don't know, we, we owned both of our cars and they started to break down and we sold them both. And a big, having a reliable car to me, is one of just the most, like, it, it takes so much stress off of me to know that my wife's not driving around in a car that might just break down. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just knowing it works, it's not going to fall apart. You're not going to get in an accident because something's not, because so, it blows up or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anything like that. So uh, it was hard for me to do this, but we went down to the one car, and then we had some friends, huge blessing. They gave us a really old Kia. It was, or not, I, I say really old. It was like 15 years old, but it's got probably 250, 300,000 miles on it. And it was one of those things where I was so frustrated for a year and a half. And I'd get so mad at myself because of my frustration over, first of all, I'm 6'6". Six, six. I don't fit in this thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to drive it. It's it's not comfortable. For, I've got back issues. I'm, But I'm just making, I'm like, but a, my, uh, this replaced a bicycle. I've got a really fast bicycle is what I had mm-hmm. to keep telling myself, right? Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening, the Kia dies. We have paid off our other car, so we're, we have no car payments. We've set, started to save up for another car, and I'm like, look, we could 
used cars are insanely expensive right now. So we came up with a plan where I can't even remember why I started talking about this, Josh. What, where did this Yeah, so I think we were just talking oh, in about excess, in excess. In yes. excess. And it was one of those things where I was like looking through and I'm just kind of like, look, I don't want, I don't need something in Do I want something? Mm-hmm. Yes. I would love to get something that's way beyond our means. But I just, let's just not do anything in excess. And don't get me wrong. The car we ended up with, awesome car. I'm super happy with it. And it's, but it's not in excess of anything. Like it's, it was the cheapest car we could find that's still to me very reliable and stuff. So it was yeah. one of those things where I'm like, let's just don't do anything. That's like, I'm not going to pull up in a, in a Range Rover with that, that we can't afford. Yeah. Not to bash on anybody that has a Range Rover. If you got a Range Rover, good for you. Like that's, you know, I like, I, it's like kind of like the dream car for me. I'd love yeah, to get a Range Rover. Absolutely. And, and I think there's a verse that kind of speaks to that in Proverbs where it says the borrower is slave to the lender. Yeah. So when we're going through life and we're always borrowing, we're always behind the eight ball a little bit there. And and, and we've lost our freedom. Mm-hmm. God wants us to be free in life and free with our free finances, free in him. And I think when we live within our means and within the finances that we have, we walk in freedom. Even mm-hmm. though we might not have this amazing looking Range Rover, you can drive in that and be in bondage. Yeah. As opposed to driving in a more simple car and being free and having a big smile on your face and not having all the stress and not going to bed at night worried about how you're going to make the payments and how you're going to get that money because you pushed yourself to a point that you probably shouldn't have pushed yourself to. The best feeling in the world is at the end of the month or whenever we, like Caitlin and I, will start talking about money and she'll just be like, we we saved 1200 bucks this month. I'm like, oh, that's such a good feeling. Like mm-hmm. to not be like, well, we had to dip into savings this month. And sometimes things come up, you know, doctor's bills and things like that come up. But that's part of the reason why we've saved is so we don't have to, you know, do use, use a credit card because Absolutely. we, so that kind of yeah. thing. Um, I wanted to ask uh, real quick, we're running out a little bit of time here, pretty close anyways. Uh, for couples who are engaged uh, and going to get married, there's, I've heard a few different people have some different opinions on this being where you need to be at financially to finally get married or get engaged. And then how soon they should combine finances if that's the way they're going. And obviously we talk, there's, there's other ways people think that they're, they're going to go, but um, yeah, being engaged or, or thinking about getting engaged. What about, where's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Any yeah. opinion? I was thinking it's really important to get marriage counseling and talk more about those different issues. Oh, yeah. And, um, having someone, you know, bring up those ideas that maybe a young couple won't think about and get you talking. But, um, as far as joining the money together, I'm not positive what I would do. I, I, I think that magic moment is when you become married. Mm. I think that's the moment when everything changes. So my opinion would be to not combine the money until you're married Okay, because you haven't made that commitment you haven't you've made a commitment but not the commitment which is marriage so i I would and this would be also coming from a standpoint of of people that haven't been living together prior to marriage as well because maybe there's people that hey we've lived together for eight years we just became christian i mean maybe there's different circumstances obviously exactly and i'm i'm kind of speaking in the ideal world Mm -hmm. you know when everything in, in the world's not always so ideal like that but i think you know 
if if you haven't been living together and and you're engaged, ideally, you know, you're putting. But I do think, like Cindy said, you want to be talking about it beforehand. You know, maybe some premarital counseling, getting on the same page with finances, so that when you do get married, ideally, you could unite and then you know be close. I mean, it's a journey once you get married. But what know. where do you view with like the where couples should be financially getting by the time they get married? Like, what should they be able to? Yeah. Afford. Yeah. I, my personal opinion is I think a lot of times people delay marriage unnecessarily. I think oftentimes people say, well, I, I got to do this. I got, I, you know, I got to have all this money. I got to do this. I got to do that. God provides, he, he will provide. And I think if, if the time is to get married or maybe some people might say, well, let's move in together and live together. And, you know, because we don't have enough money yet for this, for, uh, you know, the perfect marriage or this or that, you know, I think God would be more honored with you going to the courthouse, getting married and then, and then doing it. So I don't think money is a pre-qualifier for marriage. Mm. And I think, um, you know, even with children after you get married, I think, you know, he will provide. If we work hard and we live for him, he's going to provide the resources yeah. that, that we need there. Cool. Well, anything else you wanted to highlight that we feel like we missed or you want to share? Um, yeah, I think we reached, you know, quite, quite, quite a few good points here. Um, Oftentimes what will happen out of a, a, a podcast like this is I'll get some emails or um, different questions will come through the text message thread or something like that of just like different questions that come out of a, a and I, I stack up these questions, especially from my, uh, my young adults groups. They'll listen to this. And they'll be like, hey, what about this? What about this? And I'll add all the, these things up and dig deeper into one specific part of something. Absolutely. Um, which could be fun. Yeah. No, I'd yeah. love to talk more. Or if you ever want to send me some emails, go for it. Maybe we bring in a, uh, a Dave Ramsey guy yeah. and we let you guys battle it out for uh, <laughs> supremacy. I would love that. <laughs> all right, Josh, Cindy, great having you here. Thank you for coming on and uh, for being flexible with the scheduling as well. I canceled on Josh like twice, I think, right? And, or was it just once? Well, I don't say know. Third time's a charm. It felt like <laughs> it was like six times. I hate canceling on people. So thanks for being flexible. Appreciate it. No that. problem. All right. Thanks for being here.